Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Karen Hamill of Halen Hardy about why fall prevention is still a major problem. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Karen Hamill, a regulatory expert, trainer, and technical writer for Halen Hardy. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Um, and you've been on the program a few times before, but... Uh, just for anybody who hasn't heard you, uh, can you just give us a little bit of rundown of uh, who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, Karen Hamill, I work for Hale & Hardy. It's a company that manufactures different solutions to help our clients meet different stormwater issues that they might be having, preventing pollution and keeping our waters clean and safe. My background, I've got about 29 years in environmental health and safety, and I'm a certified instructional trainer. I am also a certified safety professional and a walkway auditor. Excellent. And today we're going to talk about fall prevention. Um, it's the uh, NIOSH Stand Down Fall Prevention Week, so we wanted to highlight um, fall prevention. And and I guess my first question is, you know, obviously falls are a, a major problem for any industry, um, especially construction. With all we know about fall prevention, why is it still such an issue? I think one of the things that we struggle with, especially in construction, is that safety culture. And these these guys, mostly it's a male-dominated field. And even though women are still kind of breaking into the business, we, we do see that kind of that hero attitude. And, and also when you look at construction, a lot of that culture is generational. My father did it. My grandfather did it. And, and so you have that, that history and things not being safe before. And, oh, well, we've done it this way for 30 years. We've never had an incident. Why should we start doing this now? Also, when you look at some of the equipment that's used for fall protection, it may not be as convenient. It may take more time to set up. And quite often they have deadlines that they're trying to meet. So a, a lot of that culture, I think, still plays into it. And it's something that unfortunately, usually takes a, a very bad incident to sometimes make that change and to make people wake up and see that there is a safer way to do things. Yeah, and obviously, um, you know, there's OSHA and NIOSH have been doing a fall prevention campaign for the last decade now. Uh, are businesses taking full advantage of the resources that are offered? I think that is something that you see happening very well in some regions and maybe not as well in other regions. Right before COVID, I started to notice that a lot more people were taking advantage of those resources and, and recognizing them and, and realizing that they were out there. For a while, OSHA and NIOSH did, did do a very good job of getting those resources out there and making them available, but some people just weren't quite as aware of them. And now with things picking up again and, and people recovering, getting back to work and, and getting back to a normal routine, they they are starting to recognize that need and are they they're starting to pick that up again and I hope to see within the next couple of years that it does get back to those levels where people did recognize those resources and and recognize the need to have those stand downs and to have those talks so that they're they are keeping their workers safe. So when you uh, go to a company that you know sort of needs help with with fall prevention, you know how do you kind of go about? Uh, evaluating them and then advising them? One of the first things is to have them consider more than one solution for whatever the risk may be. 
it's it's easy to look at it and say, okay, we can buy this or we can do this and solve the problem. But there may be more than one solution. And if they look at that from different angles, it may help them to choose a better solution. And quite often that solution might be simpler and might be something that is easier for them to implement and easy for their, their workers to use. Also, I'd involve the workers because they're the ones who, who are going to have to do it. You can buy the most expensive, most elaborate system out there, the most the greatest device that's ever been invented. But if it's hard to use or if it's something that nobody wants to use because it's cumbersome, they, they won't use it. So seeking that worker input, I think is very important when, when you're looking at the risks and hazards out there, because it's got, if, if they're involved with it, they're going to be more likely to do it. And they're going to be the ones to call it out and say, hey, look, we're not gonna do that. Or that's gonna take us too much time, whatever that excuse may be, either to help them overcome that excuse or to look for a different solution that, that will work and that they will use and they will implement. Also consider your suppliers. If you're already working with safety suppliers that are in your field, quite often they've got some new technologies or they've got new solutions or they'd be able to guide you to a solution that may, you may not have considered before. Because they're in the business of helping with fall prevention, they, they tend to be a, a little more on the edge of, of the things that are available and the things that are out there that could really help you meet that or not meet the risk but but overcome that risk and and minimize those hazards and you know in terms of the actual uh equipment itself i mean we're talking i guess when it you know if you're talking roof work you're talking about you know those personal fall arrest systems um you know with a harness and, and anchors and things like that right Exactly. Unfortunately, with when it comes to fall protection, there there are a few engineering controls out there. Uh, of course, it's usually not possible to eliminate that hazard. You've got to be up on the roof, or you've got to be up at that elevation. There's there's there unfortunately aren't a many aren't many engineering solutions that are out there that can eliminate that. So it, it really usually falls down to those administrative and personal protective equipment as your your lines of defense. But the good news is there are just tons of options out there that, that really weren't even there 10 years ago or even five years ago. There are some great new first man up anchoring systems. There are just some really great technologies that have come into the market that make the job easier. And, and even, even with personal fall arrest systems, they're a lot more comfortable today than they were 10 years ago. So if, if you do have those older workers who maybe did wear those old harnesses before, there are a lot of great things now that are lighter weight, that are more comfortable, easier to wear, have greater durability than maybe they were used to, or maybe they have that mindset that, that these things are still uncomfortable. Of course, a personal fall arrest system isn't the most comfortable thing for anybody to wear all day long, but they at least are more comfortable and there are a lot more options available to help in, in those different work situations than there were before. How much does uh, planning uh, play into, you know, fall prevention safety, um, you know, when you're going into a project? Planning is important for any kind of situation like that, especially when you are first looking at the project. If you have somebody that is able to evaluate those risks and plan for them beforehand, then it's going to be a lot easier when those situations do come up because you've already got a solution or a proposed solution that's ready to go. And chances are that solution is going to be better thought out than, 
oh my goodness, we didn't consider this. Now we're up against a deadline and we need something fast. When you're making that, it, it's kind of like uh, dealing with an emergency. When you're dealing with that situation and, and haste comes into the, into the equation, you may not make as great of a choice as you would had you planned it out in advance. And you already have, maybe you have two or three options that, that could work for you. So the, the better that you can plan that and the more that you can engineer that into your development stages before you even start production or before you even start the construction project, it's probably going to be better for you to do that, take that time up front so that when that situation does come up, you're prepared and, and you've already got a solution ready to go. Um, in your experience, do you typically see um, planning done pretty well on most projects or? I have found that with larger companies, they do tend to implement that. And because they've they've kind of got that already in their playbook. They know how to put that into their development and into their planning. Smaller companies, uh, especially local companies who don't have as many resources, mm. they tend to struggle with that a little more, I think, because they don't have that background. They don't have a, a dedicated person who's who's looking at risk. It's it's kind of the maybe maybe the oldest guy on the job who's who's sharing experiences versus somebody who has really looked at it from from a true safety standpoint. Um, and when it comes to training, what are some uh, things that you know need to be considered when you're kind of training on on you know the proper setup and use of uh, of these kind of, of this kind of equipment? The first thing that I would recommend is to check with your suppliers, check with anybody who has provided you with a product, whether it's an anchoring system, personal fall arrest, those, those vendors, those suppliers, any, any that I have dealt with have fantastic training resources and they're, they're willing to come out and, and they encourage you to, to utilize those resources. They will come out, they will set up demonstrations for you. They'll conduct the training. And the great part about that is they're they're showing you how to use a, the particular product that you are going to use. So it's not a general training where, oh, well, you know, put on your fall arrest belt. Mm -hmm. You're putting on this fall arrest belt and here's how you need to put it on. Here's how you need to care for it so that it's going to give you the greatest longevity. And those those resources are fantastic because they are experts in their field and they can really help you through just different things that you may not have realized about the product that you're going to be using every day. Another thing that I recommend with training is to make sure that you allow enough time for it when you're onboarding your new employees. So often we we think, oh, we, we really want to get this guy on the job. We really want to get him into the field. We really want to get him working, but we don't take the time to show them and, and safety may be 10 minutes of that whole onboarding process. And when that happens, they don't get that focus and they don't get the time that they need to really understand how whatever you've given them is going to help them. And then uh, what about training on things like ladder safety or scaffold sa scaffolding safety? Uh, how much time should be kind of devoted to those? I would say uh, it, it's kind of hard because I would say until they're able to demonstrate that they can do it completely on their own. And and so that's it's, it's really going to vary. So if I was expecting, especially with something like scaffolding, I would really want that person to be able to to do that job completely 
not necessarily be at, at a level where they're, they're certified on the first day or anything, but making sure that they're able to do whatever that task is, do it completely and replicate it more than once, just so you know it wasn't luck. Uh, and, and with a ladder, that's certainly not going to take as much time. But uh, when you get into scaffolding or when you get into those other things that, that really put a worker at greater risk, making sure that they're able to replicate the skills and replicate that training that they've been taught, whether that's one week or 10 weeks, it, and it, it could take 10 weeks for, for some of those skills, mm. but just making sure that you allow that time and, and have that person supervised until they are able to do whatever those tasks are on their own. What would you say is the biggest cause of fall risks? I think that one of the biggest cause of fall risks is not taking the time to do a proper hazard assessment. So if we haven't taken the time to assess that hazard properly, it's kind of hard to expect a worker to recognize it if we haven't pointed it out to them. So looking at, at those risks and, and recognizing them early, I think is, is going to help minimize the chance for a worker to become injured because they they just aren't if they if they haven't been taught these things they're they're not going to recognize some of the things that we as safety professionals would recognize and know would put them at risk um and obviously uh at least for the northeast i know uh you know construction and real estate uh is booming right now and you know everywhere you look i could just on my street alone, there's people working on a roof down at the end of, you know, on a house at the end of the street. Almost every street, there's projects going on. Um, is deadline pressure causing construction businesses to maybe skimp on safety more than they normally would? I, I'm in the northeast as well, northeast as well. So I have seen that, and I, I and right now we're hitting prime construction season, and I, I know that there definitely is pressure to meet deadlines. We, we're actually looking in our area where roofers are scheduling projects three years out. So they're definitely yeah. on, that, on that crunch to, to keep moving and, and keep their projects moving, which, which is great for them, great boom for them. But it, it is something that can, can definitely cause them to skimp on safety in that it takes time to set up anchorage points. It takes time to you know, make sure your scaffolding is, is, is erected correctly. So that's something that, again, I think heads back to that culture. Are they skimping? I, I don't know that they're doing it on purpose, but it is something that is definitely a contributing factor just to meet that deadline and, and keep those projects moving. And again, that goes back to that culture, making sure that we have established that, that we have identified those risks early. And also that we are modeling that safe behavior from the top down. If you've got a foreman who's coming around and just screaming at you all the time to get the job done, that that's not going to help them create that safe culture. So I, I think it, it kind of starts at the top there and helping those those upper management folks to to recognize that and to balance the need for the deadline with the need for safety. I mean, I've definitely noticed, you know, I, I think I paid a little more attention to the stuff now that I'm, you know, writing about it, but, um, you know, I definitely noticed a fair amount of projects where, you know, there isn't scaffolding set up or, or 
or, you know, if it is, it's kind of shoddy looking, you know, it seems like, like, you know, like you were saying there, you know, these, uh, companies are so backed up with, uh, with work that they've got to just kind of, you know, bang through these projects. And, uh, I, I just wonder if they're, you know, you know, maybe they know better, but they're, but they're, you know, kind of just trying to, uh, go for speed instead of, uh, safety sometimes. And unfortunately, I feel, especially with smaller companies, sometimes they, they don't know better. And, yeah. and that's part of the part that's unfortunate with this is, that the smaller companies they this is the way that they've done it for generations and and they simply don't know better yeah um so i know you're going to be doing a webinar for us in july on this very topic i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you're going to be talking about on that in the july webinar i'm actually kind of shifting the focus i'm, I'm looking at same level falls Mm -hmm. as opposed to falls from heights. Uh, I will be discussing ladder safety because that's actually a very, very near and dear topic to those same level falls, but just looking more, uh, kind of moving from construction over to more of a general, keeping your workforce safe no matter where they are within a facility. So what are some of the issues that folks should look for uh, for same level falls? Same level falls is, is again, something that we see so often in industry that it's actually still the number two cause of lost work time injury and workers' compensation claims right after those repetitive stress injuries and, and things that are keeping us out. With the same level falls, one of the biggest things there is just recognizing all of the places that you have water within a facility or all the places where you've got liquids within a facility and kind of tracking those those areas and making sure that you've got resources available so that people can take care of those leaks and spills and drips and things when they happen if they can do that that's one of the greatest ways to eliminate those same level fall injuries and and help keep keep everybody on their feet yeah, I, I used to work in a supermarket when I was in high school, and um, one of the things they really were uh, vigilant about was uh, in the produce section if grapes, uh, you know, were on yes. the ground because people had, you know, would slip on the grapes and, you know, have bad falls, and then some of them would sue, you know. So, you know, you people, I think you typically think of like, you know, a, slipping on a banana from the movies, but it's, I think, a grape is much more dangerous. Grapes and blueberries, any kind, any of those small fruits. I, I actually, my first job was in a produce section, and I felt like I never got done wiping the floor of, of, of something that had fallen. I, absolutely, and and we see that from a liability standpoint on the commercial end, but those workers' compensation claims are are just as prevalent within the working industry for for your employees as they are for uh, any commercial space. Definitely. Unfortunately. Uh, well, Karen, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. That wraps up episode 108 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Mm -hmm.